0: Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. I've always considered my dad to be a guy of few words. But that's really not true in his... It's not like he didn't say stuff. He said stuff especially when he was mad. He said stuff. But the efficiency at which some people can speak, like he was kind of the king of that. He had a real knack for poetry. He had a real knack for metaphor. He had the ability to just lay a phrase out there, just this simple phrase kind of the king of these effortless one-liners. He would just spit them out. And I would think to myself when I heard them, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I remember the first time, I, I'm, one of the early memories that I have of one of, the, one of the first times I'd ever heard him do this. And I don't remember exactly what it was. In my mind, I was pulling at that middle string on a button. You've done that, Right? Don't do that, right? I, pull, I was pulling it. There's a string that was on there, and I'm pulling at it. And I pulled it. And ting, tink, tink, ting. ting, ting. And my dad's phrase was, well, you really ripped your dress there, didn't you? And I remember just, I mean, I was a little tyke. And somehow, I wasn't wearing a dress that day. I wasn't wearing a dress that day. Or any other day, was I wearing a dress? I wasn't wearing a dress. Yet somehow, him taking that phrase about the way somebody would probably feel if they did rip their proverbial dress, and it translated to the situation that I was in to where my button had come off my shirt. And somehow that made sense. It just transferred over. And I remember putting it together like, that's funny because... It's not a dress, but I get it, you know? And I was little, and I thought, that's a really strange. Now, I know that's a commonly used phrase. Well, you really ripped your dress there. But he had other ones that were strange too. Probably one of my most, and I don't know why this is, probably one of my most vivid memories of my childhood. It was a Sunday morning. I was little, so that means that my sister that's two years younger than me, and I had a brother that was four years younger than me, we would have been a young family, much like some of you. And I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but young families sometimes struggle to make it to church on time. Have you ever noticed that? Some of you are like, I remember being young. It's hard to get there. Come trailing in all the time. And we lived across the street from the church, 50 feet, (laughs) to be exact. And to be late to church when you're 50 feet away, that's kind of not really, that's called chaos is what that's called. And I remember getting my little... Church shoes on, and grabbing a hold of the little leather laces and pulling them tight, and one broke. Maybe it was a fear of being left across the street from the church. I ran to my dad as quick as I could Dad, 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 dad. I broke my shoelace. And he looked at me and he said, This many a shoelaces have been broke on Sunday morning. What? What do you mean? I called my dad this week. I said to him, Hey, do you remember this? He says, Yeah, I remember saying that. I said, You know, it's one of those things that sometimes you hear a phrase and it doesn't really make any sense when you hear it. But when you get older you begin to understand a little bit better, it becomes a little more clear. You begin to go, oh you know why many of shoelaces have been broke on Sunday morning? Do you know why? Let me tell you. Because sometimes you're running late and you're in a hurry and you grab your shoelaces and as quick as you possibly can, you just jerk them on and you begin to tie them and you break one. That's why. You know why else? Because sometimes our church shoes, those leather laces, sit in the back of the closet. They sit down there in the dust and they get dry. They're not the normal shoes that we always wear the boots that are oiled up they're not those these are the ones the laces those laces are fragile leather laces anyway they get dry get a little a little, uh, little crusty you know and out of neglect you throw your shoe on grab a hold of it snap now magically magically my dad undid my shoe rearranged the laces And suddenly, they were the same length on both sides. I still don't know how he did it. That's amazing. (laughs) He tied my little laces, and off we went. And there are very, very, very few Sunday mornings that I wake up. And if I tie the laces on my leather shoes, I don't think of that story. Do you know why else? Do you know why else many shoelaces have been broken on Sunday morning? Because why wouldn't they? You're trying to do something good with your life, right? You're trying to show up to one place on time. One place. You're trying to do one good thing for your family, get them all in the car without getting a divorce on the way, you know? (laughs) You just wanna get in, get to church. Why wouldn't they break then? They're not gonna break on a day you're taking it slow. They're gonna break on a day where you're rushing around. They're gonna break on a day where you really need a break you're not going to get a break unless it's in your shoelaces. That's where you're going to get it. That's why. Because sometimes that's just what happens. He still spouts these things sometimes that I hear him say and I walk away and I'm like, huh, I guess I'll know what that means in 10 or 20 years. I don't know now. But I'll probably know someday. I called him on the phone to tell him Tell them I appreciate them because I've kind of got a thing about metaphor, and I've kind of got a thing about words, <laughs> poetry, and that must be where I got it, from just listening to this cryptic enigma of a father that I have, just says these random, well, you can't lick a cow in a trap now, can you? What are you talking about, Dr. Phil, you know? Sometimes it takes a little while for these things to settle in and really make a difference for you to really hear them. It takes a lifetime of listening and hearing before this liquid begins to solidify and set up and turn into something you can actually build your life on. Now I get it, old man. Now I get it. Oh, I've thrown my family in the car, rushed around. I didn't break a shoelace, but I backed over a cat once. Oh, in a hurry. Ran over a bicycle, maybe, you know, just in a hurry. Something doesn't work right because of neglect. These phrases roll through my head. These phrases that just float around. I'll tell you where they came from. Jesus, you want to talk about cryptic. He says some stuff sometimes that just winds me up. And that's actually the reason that I called my dad. I read this phrase that we're studying today, and as soon as I read it, all that stuff I just told you just ran right through my head. And I was like, I need to call him on the phone. And I called him, and I said, this this. You remember this? Yeah. You remember this? Yeah. I didn't know what that meant for like 10 years. Maybe 20 years. He's like, yeah. Yeah. He's not a guy of a lot of words. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, that's just, just kind of like this verse here I'm, I'm going to preach on this week. It's this verse here. He says, I've read that verse. I said, hmm. I don't know if I get it. I said, I... I don't know if I get it. It's like, yeah. It's this verse to where Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he's talking to the people in the synagogue. There's some leaders, some Jewish leaders who were there. It's in John chapter 6. Jesus had just fed the 5,000. He had just walked on water. And the people are just kind of stuck on this thing. Like, Jesus is kind of cool. And immediately they wanted to make him king by force. If you don't know, Rome had occupied Israel and had moved in and made it kind of theirs. And they could have their freedom of religion. But as far as the government was concerned, Rome is in charge, not Israel. And the people had a problem with that. The people saw Jesus and that he could feed 5,000 people with just this little bitty sack lunch. And if he could do that, think about what else he could do. If he could provide food for them out of next to nothing, what else could he do? pretty cool i bet you he'd make a good king and what would happen if we took on rome he could protect us he is this miracle worker let's get jesus on our side to fight our battle and let's do this thing And jesus was like no way i'm not interested in your demotion as king of israel because it would be a demotion you know being king of heaven and earth and then somebody being so happy to crown you king of israel not interested in the demotion. Plus, he's carrying out a mission for his father. Something he was specifically given to do. He had a mission. You have one too. He had a thing that he was supposed to be doing. So do you. Jesus was not going to be swayed by it. They came to him. Hey, we'd like to make you king. Nah, not interested. Off he went. Went off... Hit on a mountainside somewhere when he shows back up they said jesus good to see you he lines them out real quick listen you're not looking for me because you saw a miraculous sign and you came to believe you're looking for me because you got your belly full you you didn't have to work for something and you got it for free jesus is kind of against that principle too i don't know if you're aware of that but sometimes handouts are not the very best thing we could do jesus seems to be against that too You're looking for free stuff, and you're going to lose your purpose, and you're going to lose your dignity if you just keep getting handouts all the time. Plus, you're missing the point. You're looking for a bread, like a physical bread. I'm not interested in trying to fill that hole in your stomach. I'm trying to fill that hole in your heart. That's the thing that will drive you more insane than a hungry stomach. And people, people, they said, well, what miraculous sign are you going to show us? You mean what other miraculous miraculous sign am I going to show you? The, The food thing wasn't enough. The walking on the water thing wasn't enough. The healing the sick wasn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Jesus, I need something that's a little more close to home. Have you ever been there? Lord, I need a sign. Lord, give me a sign so that I know to do the right thing, <laughs> right? Uh, how about do the right thing? Jesus got this, just not happy with it. And he says, if well, you're looking for the wrong kind of bread, and finally, in the middle of all this deal, with the same conviction that he would heal, with the same power that he would walk on water or do a miracle, he teaches. And here's what he says. Verse 35, John Six verse thirty five. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never go thirsty. But as I've told you, you have seen, and still you do not believe. All the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Ah, this people. Verse 42, skip down there. Or verse 41, at this the Jews begin to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. Verse 42, they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say I came down from heaven? I don't know if you're aware of this or not. If you're not, then you're gonna appreciate this little tidbit I'm about to give you for free. If you change your life a little bit and you begin to step out and try to do things right and different than before, people will despise you for it. Many of you nodding your head like you're already aware of this. It's true, isn't it? Do you want a big collection of haters on styrofoam like butterflies? Change your life. Because they will show up. They will show up instantly. Just make one little alteration. No, I don't do that anymore. (laughs) Oh, you're too good now? Oh, you think you're too good now? Remember when you used to be fun? Why does everything have to be chaos with you, huh? No, 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 it's not chaos. I just don't want to be in your drama. Why are you always trying to be better than me? Why? Why does this happen? Because it's human nature. You know what we like? We like sameness. Oh, I don't mean color, I don't mean style, I don't mean cars, I don't even mean money. We like sameness. You know what we don't like? We don't like when somebody steps forward and makes some exaggerated claim or changes their life, and then they look better than us. Jesus said, you're doing it wrong. You need the thing that sustains your soul. Where do you think the sin comes from? Where do you think all the problems come from? Your soul its because there's something broken in here. There's something that's off kilter in here. I want to fix that. But you refuse to listen. You just cannot open your eyes and see it. And then they just prove it right out of the gates. Oh, Oh, so you think you're better than me? If you want to collect haters in your life, just change a couple things. Here's one for you. change your language just a little bit take your anger and your your hot temper and your trigger take it down about 20% just alter a couple little things watch what happens people around you begin to like what's up with you why are you so why are you so different why are you so different This is one of those cryptic phrases. I'm the bread of life. What Jesus is saying is, look, you've tried and tried and tried to follow the will and to follow God's will and his law all the way through. You've tried to do it. You've been unable to do it. You haven't been able to do it. I'm telling you, what I have will sustain your soul. You think you're better than me, don't you? Jesus collects these haters. Here's another one. Let me read you another phrase. Verse 50. Jesus speaking again. Let's start at 48. I'm the bread of life. He says, Your forefathers ate manna in the desert and they died. Let me lay it out for you. They're really happy about this fact that they ate manna in the desert, that their forefathers ate manna in the desert. If you don't know the story, it goes like this Moses brings the Israelites out of Egypt and he's bringing them across the desert and they're hungry. They said, we need food. And Moses is like, look, I brought you out of Egypt. That's, like, that's as far as I know. Like, that's all God told me. So I, let me go talk to God. I'll be right back. So He goes and talks to God. Look, these, crazy, these people are crazy. These people, my church has lost its mind, you know, wandering out here, just complaining, just moaning, griping about everything. They're just they're, they're, they're terrible. And now they want food. They want me to give them food. I don't have no food. Look at my pockets. I got no food. God says, I'll provide food. He gives them this manna, this stuff that falls from heaven. It's there in the morning. They can pick it up and they can eat it. It's just for the day, though. You can't collect it, put it in a jar and get some for tomorrow. It's just every day it's going to be there. They called it the bread from heaven. Jesus says, I am the bread from heaven. And they go, oh, so you think you're better than Moses? First of all, Moses didn't provide you with anything. And the bread from heaven that you got, I don't know if you know this or not, but are any of your ancestors here? Raise your hand if anybody from the third or fourth generation in your family is still alive. Go ahead. Oh, do you want a different plan? Do you want something else to happen in your life? Your forefathers ate that manna and they died. Remember? I'm offering you something that if you eat, you will not die. I am the bread, verse 50, but here's the bread that comes down from heaven which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Verse 52. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give his body or his flesh for us to eat? Why is Jesus being a vampire about this? Why'd Jesus go all cannibalistic and weird? What is he talking about? I called my dad. I said, hey, this is a weird passage. This thing made me think of you. Jesus says weird stuff. You say weird stuff. You're more like Jesus than you thought. You know? He said, yeah, that's a, rough, that's a hard passage. It's hard to understand. It kind of occurred to me. You know what happens when you eat food? Of course. You eat the food. It goes into your stomach. But then you know what it does? The nutrients. You know what it does? It moves into your person. It feeds your muscles. It feeds your bones. It feeds your brain. I mean, every bit of your body is affected by what you put into your mouth and into your stomach. Every single bit of you is affected by that. Jesus is not saying, go ahead, take a bite. It's not what he's saying. What he's saying is this. Do you want to be renewed from the inside out? Completely changed. You've got to change your diet. You've got to change your diet. What you are trying to do in follow, with, with following God, this is why some of us find it so difficult to follow God, me included because I would like to do it out of my own strength. Anybody else? Follow God out of my own strength and determination and sheer willpower, which typically gets me to right around 9.30 a.m. It's just about as far as it gets for me. I can't do it. Jesus says, don't you need something that will sustain you? Then you gotta change it. And no, we're not talking about eating anything. What I'm talking about is do you consume Jesus into your life? Do you read his word? Do you pray? Do you congregate with other Christians? Do you let them encourage you? Do you confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed? Because if we don't, then we can't. We must take Jesus in if we plan on being better, if we plan on being different if we plan on fulfilling the will and the purpose that he's put in front of us. There's one more I want to show you, verse 53. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. You can see the people getting sick. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Here's the word, feeds on me. You want to talk about disturbing? Do you know what Jesus is doing right here? Jesus is up in the ante. He said, if you do not consume me. You know what feed on me is? I know it's just church and it's a Sunday morning and it's still early. You probably haven't had breakfast. The word is gnaw. Gnaw on me. Do you know what happened? Then? Happens in here too. There's this line to where people just go, okay, I'm out. Ah, it's just a little dark for me. I like that whole eat and flesh and drink. I'm out, I'm out. out. You know why, right? Because at some point, they're going to go to Thanksgiving like we are next week, right? All these people. And this person has been a follower of Jesus this whole time. And everybody heard him say this. And then this one follower, he's going to show up. He's going to sit down at the table and be like, so how's things going? Everybody's good? Everybody's good? Oh, it's so good. And then somebody across the table is going to look up at the guy who's been following Jesus, his very best, and he's going to say, so... uh, How's the wine? It's like, good, good. How's it compared to, uh, you know, the blood of Christ? I, I don't know. How about, that? How about that turkey? Is it good? How's it compared to the skin of Jesus? Like, look, I, I don't understand what he was saying when he said that. I don't understand it, you know. And I don't want to have those conversations at Thanksgiving, so you know what I'm going to do? We're just going to ease myself out of the conversation. In fact, what it says is this. Jesus said all this, and even his own disciples, not the 12, but other disciples, turned and looked at him and went, whoo, that's a hard teaching. That's a hard teaching because it's just so raw and gross and counterintuitive. Jesus said gnaw. The other word is Crunch? Crunch? Why? If you can get away from the disturbing metaphor, and if I were Jesus, I would have went a different route. Um, It's probably a good thing I'm not, but it's... If you can get away from that metaphor for just a second, and you could take it to that place of, he's not saying my flesh and my blood, not in that sense, What he's saying is, consume him. Think about what else you eat and that you are ravenous with. One of the new updates on the iPhone now reports the amount of screen time that you have. Anybody notice this? How many of you found yourself to be quite a disturbing individual after you realized that? Seven and a half hours of screen time? Wow! That's a little bit too much Angry Birds, you know? Apple's going to go ahead and let you know where you really suck. You know? Going to report your screen time to you. Think about everything you consume. Listen, don't talk to me about movies. I love movies. I'll just put a movie on. I have, just a moment of transparency and confession, I have a DVD player in my pickup, which I know what you're thinking to yourself. You're a guy that doesn't pay attention very good already. The last thing you need is a movie playing inside your, I'll give that to you, you're right, 100%. You're right, you're right. But there's something I always playing. Love, I consume music, I love music. So I consume music. What else do you consume? Facebook, you like to get in there in the grit of everybody else's nonsense. Scroll, ooh, look at her, ooh, what a mess. Ooh, she's crazy, huh? That's not really her real job. Oh, just keep going, right? We love it. Let's just get, we like to get it under our fingernails. We're gross. We're ravenous. Get it in our teeth. Oh, we are sick, aren't we? And then Jesus steps into your metaphor, and he goes, why are you eating that? How about consume something that's going to actually satisfy you? See, it's really weird because you hear it from the front and you go, wow, that's gross. And then once you're in the middle of it, you go, oh, we're gross. We're gross. And Jesus is saying, hey, this is your metaphor. This is yours. I'm just stepping into it. Consume me. Watch what happens with you when you consume me. Some of Jesus' own disciples turn and leave and walk away. all he's saying is this, sustain me. Look, what I have will sustain you. What I have will actually sustain you. It will fill that hole in your heart that you have been looking for for so long. That thing, whatever it is, he can fill it. He can fix it. He can seal it. He can heal it. He can do all this stuff. He can make it all better, but you've got to give him a shot. And what he's saying is just consume me. Take in as much of me as you can possibly take in and watch what it does for your person. No one can ever sit back once we get to heaven and then say something like, well, Jesus, I just didn't know. Like you didn't know? Did you have internet? Were you, yeah, we, have. we got Wi-Fi at my house. You got some Wi-Fi? Yeah. What were you listening to all the time? What were you streaming all the time? You got a a radio in your car? No, geez, got a DVD player in my car. Oh yeah, what were you watching? Huh? It was mostly Mark Wahlberg movies, you know? Oh. You listen to music? Yeah, what were you listening to? Eh, I like a little Tupac, but not a lot of Tupac, just a little bit of Tupac, mainly when I'm lifting weights. Were you consuming me as much as you could? <sighs> no, I wasn't. Then how would you know? And how would you know what I wanted? Isn't it funny? We get this thing about ourselves where we go, God, Lord, speak to me. God, speak to me. God, Lord, what, do you want to, what do you want me to do with my life? Lord, speak to me. And then we like completely leave that and we go over to the other side, and all we ingest is noise. We don't ingest anything that he would speak through. Why in the world do I refuse to rely on him? I mean, I can do good for like a week, maybe a month sometimes. I can knock it out of the park can get up in the morning. I can go do my workout thing. I can go home and read my Bible. I can do my sermon study. I can just kind of take it in. I can read a book. I can have my prayer life. I can wake up with my family in the morning and we can pray together like we do every single morning. When people call, you know, hey, got this situation. We're gonna pray for them, so we get our family together and we pray for them. And I can do real good. And I, you know what, Lord, I'm just gonna leave. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this on you. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let this burden me. I'm gonna count on you, and I can do really, 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 really good for like a week. Sometimes a couple weeks. I've done a month, maybe somewhere. You know, just really doing a good job. And then inevitably, you know what I'll do? I'll wake up some morning. In a hurry. Get to rushing around. Grab a hold of those leather laces. Been in the bottom of the closet, neglected all week. I'll just jerk them and snap it. Break my streak. Be these moments to where just leave them there dusty. My whole... Spiritual life and everything else, my Bible reading, my prayer time, just leave it in the bottom of the closet. Then I'm wondering why it's so brittle, why it doesn't work right. Why ain't the Lord speaking to me? Well, maybe. We dust it off there, Jared, you idiot. Sometimes it's this. We go through these times and we forget. The circumstances in our life are just hard. Because the devil is out to get us. Why? Because you're trying to do something good. Because you're trying to count on him. Many shoelaces broke on Sunday morning, huh? Many shoelaces broke on Sunday morning. Because we just get in a hurry. We forget to slow down. We forget to say thank you. We forget to be grateful. We forget to dust off all that stuff. Stay in our good routines. You get to rely on him. All the while, he's saying to us, I'm here. I'm here. Tell me what it is that you want. I am a buffet that can fix every single need that you have. Come to me. "Ah, Maybe later, Jesus. Maybe later, Jesus. Maybe later. (sighs) We end up busting something and not knowing why. We have a Savior that loves us, cares about us, who's tied us together. The scripture says that a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Ones that are by themselves are, but a cord of three strands is not easily broken. When we are networked and braided together and hooked in with one another, we can survive this. We can move past it. We can make it. We can have those conversations, and we have somebody that we can talk to, somebody we can visit with, somebody that will remind us. At the end of the day, this is on God. We take our heart, we take our soul, we take our problems, and we lay them out there in front of him, and we rely on him because he is the bread of life, the only thing that can sustain us.